Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. This morning I want to begin a new series. Um, uh, I want to talk about the power of alignment within our lives. And it's a subject that's dear to my heart. And we've been talking about, uh, through my series preaching this year, about divine sequences, uh, how God has a predestined plan for each one of our lives. And in that predestination, that foreknowledge that God has, He gets our attention to synchronize our lives in with the will of God. That's why God told us to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done here on earth as it's already being done in heaven. And so there's a lot that can happen in and through our lives as sequences like dominoes begin to fall around our lives. As we align ourselves, we come into line with what God has in our life. Just this week, if you if you switched off all news channels, you wouldn't have uh, been aware of the fact that all over the news this week, it's 50 years since the Apollo 11 landing, and uh, I can I can. Um, Remember it vaguely as as a child. I'm 54, uh, so I, it's one of my first recollections on a black and white TV was the command module, the lunar module landing on the moon. And uh, you know, for them to land on the moon, there was a lot of things that were in stake. You know, the old command center. You've seen them. There's hundreds of computers in the command center in NASA down here on Earth. Well, did you know that they say now that you could squeeze all of that that was on down on the floor into a smartphone now? Isn't that incredible? Uh, but more to the point is that as as the uh, command uh, module was released. Uh, released the main rockets, it then had to point itself precisely and line itself up with navigation coordinates. Otherwise, it would have missed the moon and it would have missed the landing. And we see in a previous uh, attempt to land on the moon, this didn't quite work out properly, and they had to literally line their module up through a hole in the command center in order to get back to Earth and slingshot their way back around the moon and get back to Earth, which was an incredible feat at the time. But this is my point. It's the same for all of us, is that God has navigation points for all of our lives. And as we bring our lives into alignment with what God has planned for us, there is a series of divine uh, allotments that are released over our life that bring about the blessing and the power of God into our lives. What does the word alignment mean? First of all, number one, it means a state of agreement or cooperation among persons, groups, nations, etc., with a common cause or viewpoint. For example, a task force may be gotten together to achieve a task. And everybody comes into the meeting, everybody's in on the same plan, and they come out of the meeting, and everybody is in agreement in the meeting, this is what we are going to do. And then one of the people out of that 10 in that task force decides that they're going to do something different to what was decided. Suddenly, they are out of line. Suddenly, they're no longer aligned with the plan and they've separated themselves from the plan. 
And this is what uh, the power of spiritual alignment brings within our life, but it's also the opposite. There's tremendous energy that's required at times to bring our lives back into line with where God wants us to be. How many of you have ever known what it's like to be out of line? That's the majority of us and the rest of us are lying because we've all been out of line. Second definition here is the proper adjustment of the components of an electronic circuit, machine, etc. coordinated functioning. A common one that we all know, that we can all experience here, is when your wheels are out of alignment on your car. When your wheels are not all pointing in the same direction, you chew the rubber out on the inside or the outside of your tyres, and your tyres will wear out a lot quicker because they're not all pointing in the same direction. Thirdly, Alignment means a position of agreement or alliance. And one of the common examples that we can, most of us can relate to who are married is that marriage is an alliance. For richer, for better. In sickness, sorry, for, for poor, richer, for poorer. <laughs> I, I don't... I don't like the poor a bit. <laughs> in sickness or in health, we make an alignment that we're going to be there for each other. Amen? And what happens in a marriage, when somebody comes out of, out of line in a marriage, suddenly it puts incredible stress on the relationship because somebody's out of line. And in the same way, in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, when you get out of line, certain things happen in your heart. The first thing that you'll notice is that there's a lack of peace. Because suddenly there's an umpire that's whistling in your heart and in your ear, you're out of line. You need to make some personal adjustments to bring your line, to bring your life back into line and back into alignment and agreement with what God has stated over your life. So the energy and effort required to come back into line, if you look at the next slide there, Sam, uh, you know, spiritual alignment is simply bringing my life into agreement and alignment with what God says for me, His will and His way over my life. That's why the Bible says when you become born again, God reminds us, your ways are not my ways. And my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my ways above you. So this is what happens. When you first meet the Lord, you're going to make some mistakes. Some things are going to be out of line in your life because you're still operating on the old operating system of doing things your way. And that's why the Bible says we must learn the ways of God as Sue was preaching this morning, as we learn and adopt new ways, the ways of the King of Kings within our life, then suddenly there's a clicking like a spine coming back into alignment. A clicking takes place. Click, 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 click. Everything comes into alignment. Suddenly there's no more pinched nerves. There's no more pain going on in your life. There's a lot of pain when we're out of alignment. Can any, everybody attest to that within your life? And so God wants us to come to that place where we're bringing our life into spiritual alignment with heaven. And Jesus preached about this, and it's a key 
landmark verse that all of us know, Matthew 6, 33. He's preaching a sermon uh, to thousands of people. And on the mountain, as he preaches this message, he finishes a whole series of verses saying, why are you worrying about all these things? You're worrying about your clothes. You're worrying about what you're going to eat. You're worrying about your shelter. God takes care of all these things. If he's going to, if he's going to take care of the bird that's flying around, he's going, to, he's going to feather it. He's going to give it a nest. He's going to give it a home. How much more will God take care of you as one of his children? He'll give you a roof over your head. He'll put clothes on your back. He'll give you food on the table. And then he comes to this verse and he says, here's the key to alignment, the power of spiritual alignment. Seek ye first. Not second, not third, not fourth. Number one, first in importance, first in priority, first in time, first in place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or what that simply means, to live right. So seek God and live right. Live the way that you know you're supposed to live. And all these things will be added to you. So what God is saying through this verse is simply this. If you're prepared to seek me, and Jeremiah promised, if we seek him with all of our heart, then we will find him. Amen? Call upon me and I will answer you. Jeremiah 33, 3, God's telephone number. Call upon me and I will answer you. And God promises that if we seek him and if we put him in the highest priority within our life, then there's that through that spiritual alignment, there's going to be a whole lot of stuff that God's going to add into your life. But it's conditional. And it's not conditional on the fact that whether he loves you or he doesn't love you, he loves you no matter what. But the adding to your life is conditional upon you placing Jesus in the highest place and seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Stephen Covey wrote many books. Uh, and uh, one of the things that Stephen Covey said, he said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And you'll often see this in business where a business is going extremely well because they've stuck to the core business that's caused them to be profitable. But they get bored with that and they want to diversify and they want to add something else into it. And so what they do is they move away from their core business and suddenly their business struggles because they haven't kept the main thing the main thing. And as a result, they've lost focus in trying to diversify. And in the same way, Many of us, as believers, we miss the power of spiritual alignment because we don't keep the main thing, the main thing. We don't keep Jesus front and center within our life and we get carried away with this teaching or that thing or that relationship or we begin to seek after material things. We place Jesus in second place, third place, fourth place and as a result, suddenly we're not feeling the addition to the adding to all these things that God promised over our life. Let me tell you, one of the quickest ways that God will get your attention is when you're lacking provision. If you're lacking provision within your life when God's promised to provide and add to you, then you need to go back over the equation and actually have a look. What is out of alignment within my life right now that I'm missing the provision of God over me? Is it greed? Is it lack of focus? Have I not kept the main thing the main thing? Have I lost sight of Jesus in the midst of all my busyness? What's gone on here? 
because somehow what Jesus said would happen over my life is not happening. I want to know why, because my spine, my spiritual spine has suddenly gotten out of alignment. I'm feeling a few pinched nerves. I'm getting a bit agitated. I've no longer got the peace of God around me about my life because I need to come and be realigned in the process. When we allow second things to become the first, we've allowed ourselves to get distracted. And this will result in being misaligned with heaven and with what God has for us in our life. You know, we are actually putting ourselves into a strangled position, a stranglehold over our life. When God says this, I'm a jealous God. What does that mean? It says you shall have no other gods before me except me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not some, not a little bit, not when you're feeling good. But love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and as we come to a realization sometimes in our life that some of our problems that we often blame on others are not other people's faults, but we need to take responsibility at our doorstep, at our back door, and start to own up the fact that we may be out of alignment or out of line with what God has promised for us in our, in our lives. The word seek means being absorbed in the search for to obtain, to be constantly seeking that which is important. I grew up on a farm and so there's a lot of stuff in farming that where we have to align things. And when I got old enough to shoot and handle a high-powered rifle, uh, I bought a telescopic gun sight for my rifle. And then I had to bring my first scope that I had. I had to learn and understand that to get that on my gun and to still hit the target, then I needed to calibrate my scope. And it normally took a box of bullets, a box of ammunition, in order for me to tweak the crosshairs on my scope so that where I was pointing the center of those crosshairs, the bullet would follow. And that's the same for us. When we first become a Christian, God wants to recalibrate our life and bring a whole lot of tweaking within our hearts and within our minds in order that we would hit the target for where God intends our lives to go. But just like a telescopic rifle, a rifle that has a scope on it, this is what happens. If you're carrying your rifle around and you're walking through the bush, often you'll, you will knock your rifle. And when you knock your rifle, you can no longer guarantee that your crosshairs are lined up and you're going to have to realign and recalibrate in order to make sure that the crosshairs are on target. In the same way, you and I will often go through trials and tribulations, the bumps of life that bump and knock us around, and God will often bring us back to a place of recalibrating our lives, bring that attitude back into alignment, forgive that person, let that grudge go, whatever it may be that's happening within your life, recalibration happens, and you know what happens then? Suddenly, you're back in the seat of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and suddenly the floodgates of heaven, floodgates of heaven open over your life, and you're beginning to see the favor of God come back into your life. Can I hear an amen this morning? You know, the reason why 
The reason why a recalibration is needed is because before we met Jesus, we were the boss. Before we met Jesus, we were in charge. Before we met Jesus, we weren't going to allow anyone to tell us what to do. But suddenly that changes, and the reason why it changes is because of this verse in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are no longer your own. You are no longer the boss of your life when you follow Jesus. Jesus is the new boss. Jesus is the one that is now in charge over your life. Straight away, that's going to mean some things that are out of line need to come back into line. Straight away, you're going to realize there's going to be some tweaking that goes on within your life. I remember the guy I was working with, my foreman. You know, he was hot-tempered, I was hot-tempered. And we, we'd had a few run-ins, and straight after I became a Christian, we nearly had a full-on fist fight at work on the job. and nearly completely blew up. And, you know, I knew I had the measure of him. I could have, you know, just, you know... <laughs> And I was locked and loaded. I was ready to unleash. And as I was about to do that, suddenly the still small voice of God spoke into my heart right there and then in the heat of the moment where all I was seeing was red. A sea of red. And the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, turn the other cheek. (laughs) Nobody had ever told me that before. And so suddenly in the heat of the moment... I had to drop what was cocked and ready to deliver, let my hand fall down to my side and just zip this because it would have got me into more trouble. And then I had to, I had to, I had to say, sorry, I had to say sorry. And you know, those are the things that are really difficult to do when you first come to understand, you can no longer live your life the way you want to live it. That you've got a new boss. He's on the throne. He's in charge of your life. You can't just go off and do whatever you like, whenever you like, without running it past the boss. Jesus, when you place him in the highest place, when you seek him first, you watch the flow of favor and the goodness of God that is upon your life beginning to flow through your life. So I want to just, I'm going to do three practical ways that we can prioritize alignment within our life. And uh, I'm going to do two this morning, and I'm going to do one the next time I preach after Pastor Peter. And so the first thing I want to talk about making an alignment with is prioritizing our focus, becoming one-eyed for Jesus. And Jesus talked about this in the same chapter, the same sermon. He said this in verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, the King James Version said, therefore if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and, or love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. How many of you have ever heard the term one-eyed Aussie? <laughs> Do we have any Australians in the house this morning? <laughs> Terry, you've been around us, so you're an honorary Kiwi now, sorry. But literally, a one-eyed Aussie, when a one-eyed Aussie makes his mind up, you cannot change his mind. He's made his decision. And that's it. There's nothing that you can do apart from maybe torture where you may be able to change that Aussie's mind. And the Lord is saying to us through the scripture, we need to be one-eyed for Jesus. So focused that our whole body is full of the light of God because we've got our eye on the prize. We've got our eye on the game. We're not losing focus. We're not losing sight. We're prioritizing our focus for what it means to serve God, to seek first the kingdom of God, and we become one-eyed. That doesn't mean we become arrogant. That doesn't mean that we become ignorant. That doesn't mean that we become not nice people. Sometimes one-eyed Aussies aren't that nice to deal with. I was at the State of Origin game last uh, couple of weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> go the blues, go the blues. Uh, <laughs> but you want to see a one-eyed crowd? Go to a game in Sydney where they're cheering for New South Wales, the blue jersey, and the, most of the crowd is a sea of blue. And they are absolutely one-eyed. When the Maroons came out on the paddock, I could not believe the volume. You don't hear it on the TV. But when you, they came out, it was just like, Woo! and it wasn't just for a little while. It went on for ages and ages and ages because they're one-eyed about their team. There's only one team that they're going to support. There's only one way, and that way is blue. I wish that us Christians could be a little more one-eyed for Jesus, you know, without the arrogance that goes with it along the way. You can still be single-eyed for God and be nice. Amen. It just means that you're not going to be moved. We shall not. We shall not be moved. Like a tree that's planted by the riverside, we will not be moved when we are single-eyed for Jesus Christ. And when you live your life single-eyed for Jesus Christ, this is what happens. Your passion that you have for Jesus Christ sets the agenda for your heart. When you're single-eyed for God, the passion and love that you have for God, that sets the agenda for your heart. Not a snarky comment that somebody may have made. Not somebody who may have put you down. Not somebody who may have ripped you off. They don't set the agenda for your life because you're so single-eyed for Christ that he controls the passions and the desires and the agenda for your life. Can I hear an amen? And so what happens at different times? It's happened in my life. It'll happen in your life at some time. Sometimes we need to have a spiritual garage sale and we need to get rid of all the clutter and all the junk, the stuff that we don't need within our life that we've just hoarded away, stuff that will just get in the way of you being single-eyed for God and you need to get rid of it. You need to offload it. And most of the time, we're not going to sell it. We're going to make sure we bury it, never to be dug up again in our life. You know, Jesus uh, talked about part of the human frailty when it comes to prioritizing our focus. And he told the story of an invitation and Luke 9, verse 59, he said to another person, come, be my disciple. 
So it's an invitation to follow him. The man agreed, but he said, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus replied, let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the coming of the kingdom of God. Wow. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So the first thing that we've got to understand is that our allegiance, our alignment, our heart is fully given over to the King of Kings. And what Jesus was meaning by this, he often used hyperbole in his parables and stories. Hyperbole is exaggerating something for the purpose of emphasis. And what Jesus was often saying, he was saying, he was saying, your allegiance needs to be first and foremost to me, even above your own blood family. And he said, when you've got that in the right place, there won't be excuses coming out of your mouths for why you can't do what Jesus asked you to do. Because you've settled the question in your heart, I am going to follow Jesus Christ no matter what happens, and he's going to be first in my heart, even above my own flesh and blood. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, you've got to understand, if you want to follow me, if they persecuted me, understand they're going to persecute you. Understand at some point you're going to have opposition in your life. So if you like to be liked by everybody, then following Jesus is not for you. Because at some point in time, somebody's going to oppose you, somebody's going to come against you, and you've got to be thick-skinned enough to actually deflect the opposition and the trials and the tribulations that come against us in the very ordinary, everyday pathway of life that God has called us to work in. So Jesus said, there's no looking back. Do you remember Lot's wife? When she was asked to leave Sodom, the Lord said to her, don't look back. As they were leaving, what did she do? She looked back. What did she become? A pillar of salt. Literally, she materialized right there and then, and the dust of her body turned into salt. And all the way through the scriptures and all the way through the call of Jesus on her life, he was very, very clear. He was saying, I can't make you, but I'm giving you the opportunity to place me as number one in your life. And when you do that, when you place me as number one, that alignment that you're forming between your heart and my heart is going to cause an overflow from heaven where you will never be short of what you need. You will, never, you will never want for anything. You will know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you because he's right there by your side because of the alliance and the agreement that you've made in your heart with the Holy Spirit. Second thing today about prioritizing I want to talk about seeking first God's kingdom means to prioritize our treasure. Now, funnily enough, Jesus taught about this many times. So I have no problem teaching about this this morning. Because if Jesus taught about it, then he wants me to teach about it. So Jesus said, again, the same sermon. There was, this is one of the meatiest sermons you'll ever get uh, from God is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. Verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust 
destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20, what are we to do? But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Give us wisdom, Lord, as we look at this. Basically, Jesus is saying there's two treasuries. Treasuries are places where treasure is stored. There's two treasuries. There's one on earth and there's one in heaven. And he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will follow. In other words, you can talk to me until you're blue in the face, but if your focus is the treasury on earth, then I want to tell you something today. The Bible teaches that that is where your heart will follow. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think of it like this. Right, I've heard there's some money to be made in the stock market. So I need a certain amount of money that I'm going to start off with. So I'm going to invest in some stocks and some shares. And you know what happens as soon as you invest in stocks and shares? You know what happens? You start checking the stock market. Every day, you're having a look to see which way the arrow is going up or down. Why? Because you've invested some treasure in the stock market. Therefore, your heart will follow to see what's happening. Now, I'm not saying that any of these things are necessarily bad or evil, but what Jesus is saying is that if your overarching focus is earth's treasury, then you, that's where your heart, your intention, your investment, and all your energy is going to go is into earth's treasury. And there's another treasury that's lying in wait, which God said you can store treasure in. And in that treasury, it'll never go off. It'll never get moldy. It'll never rust. It'll never break down. It's treasure that when you put it in there, it has a return that is eternal and it will be waiting for you when you get there. You will find out whether you've stored treasure on earth's treasury or whether you've stored treasure in heaven's treasury. For where your treasure is, not where your heart is, there your treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Are we still breathing? Let me give you the key to aligning your heart with heaven's treasury. We've already read the verse once this morning. We're going to read it again. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Hmm. Whatever mammon is... Jesus has made it clear it can be served just like God can be served. But Jesus said you can't serve both of them at the same time. You're either going to serve one or the other. You'll either love the one and hate the other, or you'll be loyal to one and you'll despise the other. And he says when, this is what he literally said, when you serve mammon, you cannot serve God. Did you get that? When you serve mammon, and that becomes your priority and your focus, you cannot serve God if you're serving mammon at the same time. So what is mammon? 
Mammon came, comes from the Aramaic word, which means riches. Mammon is a spirit that essentially tells us this, that man doesn't need God because you can have money and riches, and that's all you need in life in order to get along. That's why Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. What he is saying is that wealthy people have a tendency to put all their trust and lean all their focus upon a spirit of mammon that says, get all you can while you can, buy till you die, spend to the end, be absolutely materialistic in all that you do, and focus on getting more money, more money, more money, because when you have money, you don't need God. And Jesus was saying, you can't serve me when you've got a spirit of mammon that's ruling your life. Because that spirit is going to reprioritize your focus and it's going to cause you to lose focus on heaven. So mammon has to go. And to do that, we've got to break the spirit of greed that is over materialism, that is over mammon, over our lives, if we find our thoughts continually be turned towards money and towards riches and towards wealth. And you don't have to be rich to have a spirit of mammon over your life. Many poor people have a spirit of mammon over their life or people who don't have a lot of... Because that's all they're thinking about is how I can get more money even though they may not be particularly wealthy. So the spirit of mammon affects both the, the wealthy and the poor as well. So can I take my money with me when I die? Do you remember the story of the man that was so wealthy? He had to build extra storehouses and barns in order to store up all of his wealth. And Jesus said, this night your soul shall be required of you. And he had, he had nothing stored in heaven's treasury. He had all of his, he was banking all on one thing, and that was mammon and the riches that he was pursuing here on earth. This night your soul shall be required of you. Rich man, you cannot take any of this with you. And the point that Jesus was making is simply this. When you serve God, you can't take your wealth with you, but you can send it on ahead by investing it and heaven's treasury. That reward will be waiting for you at the end of your life because you've stored the true riches of what it means to follow Jesus within your life and you're storing that up. So, why is it hard for us to learn to part with money or with wealth that is in our care with an attitude of generosity? Does anyone here have a note at all? You on there, Paris? Great. Here we go. Yeah, it's not a which one that's good. You see, you see this here. It's a twenty-dollar note. Got the uh, the bird on it. Got the queen on the back. And what does this represent? To us in all honesty. Let me tell you what it represents to us. By the sweat of your brow, you trade your life for this. By the sweat of your brow, you are trading time in order to get this. Are we in agreement today? So a lot of us are spending 40 plus 
hours a week, trading the time of our life in order to get this within our life. I want to make a point because some of you are thinking Pastor James I hope you're not going to keep that $20 note that you just stored in your pocket and some of you may even be thinking yeah he thinks he's the pastor he can just take anybody's money <laughs> but I want to give you a, I want to give you a lesson this morning out of this illustration today you see the reason why Paris could give me that money so quickly it's because it was mine in the first place. I gave it to him at the beginning of the service. So when he gave it to me, he had no emotional attachments to that money at all. Do you know why? Because it wasn't his in the first place, it was mine. And yet we get so hung up on giving our money to God because we think we own it. It belongs to us. But the Bible teaches all the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. Your money is not your money. It's his money. And when he wants a bit of his money, all he needs to do is ask you and you needn't have an attitude when you respond towards him. There you go, bro. Some money for your petrol tank. Praise God. It was actually mine, but now I'm giving it to him. He's going, bro, can I have some more sermon illustrations like that? That's awesome. <laughs> so you see, you need to never grieve over money. If you've broken the spirit of mammon over your life, then everything that you have belongs to the Lord. And when he taps you on the shoulder and says, I just like a little bit of that, thanks, I've got a few needs that I need to take care of over here and there, then if you've got the right attitude, then you can do it with a happy, God loves a cheerful giver. You can give with a cheerful attitude because you realize it's not yours in the first place. It belongs to him. And if he's asking for it, then you can freely give it to him. Amen. Can I hear an amen this morning? Woo! So as I conclude this morning, seeking first the kingdom of God is simply this. It's putting Jesus in the highest place within our lives. And oftentimes we'll need to reprioritize our focus. Oftentimes there'll be things within our life where we suddenly realize that Jesus is not the main thing anymore. And other things become the main thing. And we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Seek ye first, not second, third, fourth, or fifth, but keep Jesus first on the radar screen of your life. And, and is living right, and you'll know all these things shall be added unto you this morning. Paul the Apostle didn't say, these 100 things I do. In the book of Philippians, he said, this, this one thing I do. This one thing. I do. Not these 100 things. And often we've allowed too much going on within our life and we've lost the power of focus, both with our time, our talents, towards living for God, and we've allowed a spirit of mammon to come over our money so God can no longer be the director of our financial affairs because we don't consider that He owns what we have, but we think we own it. 
And so we get an attitude when God asks for it or where the pastor asks for a project or whatever it may be. There's lots of different things that can get up your nose when it comes to money. So understand today, if your spine is out of alignment, and I know a number of people in this building today who have experienced that kind of pain, Georgie recently had a major operation on his neck where he's had to have a bone transplant in his neck. That's why he's not jumping up and down and doing the hucker every Sunday at the moment. It's because he literally had to have a, a bone placed in on one of the vertebrae on his neck where they had to go through the front of his neck. And all, because why? Because one of his vertebrae was leaning on the main nerve in his spine. It was out of alignment, and as a result of that, he was experiencing pain every day. What spiritual pain is operating in your life today that can simply be alleviated by you bringing yourself into line with what you know to be true, what you know to be right, what you know to be worthy, what you know to all these things, Paul said, think on these things, things that are noble, things that are pure, things that are right. And as you bring yourself into alignment and back into line, and you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then comes the flood of God's favor coming into your life. You will never want for anything. Everything will be there right on time. Sometimes it might be 11 uh, hours and 59 minutes to midnight, but God will always come through for you no matter what when you put him first in your life. Could we stand to our feet this morning?